What is up, Level Up Nation, and welcome to the first show of 2022 here on January 6th. This is Level Up Live, your home for gaming and esports news, brought to you by OTN Media. My name is John. You can call me Fiasco. You can call me John. Either one is fine, but I am joined, as always, for like the millionth year in a row by my good friend, the king of the courtside, the courtside king. He is royalty, but you can call him Joey. What's up, buddy? Wow, the millionth year in a row. I mean, what's our episode breakdown if that's the case? If we go, what? It's like, a, it's got to be lot. less than an episode a year at that rate. Yeah, I mean, it's. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> All right, Nation, we have made it to the new year. Hope everyone had a great time off. Uh, I know Joey and I, we took a little time to, to R&R like we do at the uh, end of every year, uh, celebrating uh, Christmas, w- Christmas with our friends and family, uh, celebrating the new year, uh, kind of reflecting a little bit about what the year past uh, has brought to us in the terms of gaming and esports and kind of looking forward to what we're looking at in 2022, uh, which is going to be a common theme you're going to see here uh, when we get to that part of the show. But first, Nation, it might be a new year, but it's the same homework at the start of every single episode. And of course, that homework is you're watching the show here live on Twitch. You might be listening to the podcast version, which means you probably should be following the show on social media. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter and Facebook at Level Up Live. That is at LVLUP Live. And while you're on Twitter... Joey's got some hot takes. If you followed him for a little over a year and a half ago, uh, he also <laughs> has some great takes uh, on how you should spend your money when stimulus checks were a thing. Any hoosies, you can follow Joey at Courtside King, myself at Fiasco as well. And uh, there are some other options here for you, too. Obviously, the live show is where all the magic happens. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of new things here in 2022. Uh, so uh, Twitch definitely is where you're going to want to be for a lot of these live shows. We are flirting with the idea of having uh, listeners call in through Discord and, and have their opinion brought live here on the show as well. Uh, so that's something that we'll be uh, possibly rolling out here within the next few weeks, next few shows. So do pay attention there, which means you should be following the show on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash OTN media for our podcast listeners. Speaking of our podcast listeners, have no fear. If you can't make it for the live show, you can catch the VOD or you can catch the podcast version of Level Up Live. Level Up Live is available on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere else you can find in a podcast RSS feed. Just look up the Level Up podcast and we will be there for you. And if you really want to go above and beyond, we still have that Patreon available, patreon.com slash OTN. Consider becoming a super fan of Level Up and OTN today. Uh, again, patreon.com slash OTN. All right, Joey, homework out of the way. It is a brand new year. It's a brand new season of shows, if you will. Uh, season because I totally binge watched Cobra Kai when it came out back uh, at the end of December. But nonetheless, Joey, uh, what are we talking about today to kick off the first show of 2022? First off, phenomenal choice on Cobra Kai. Very good show. Yep. Highly recommend amazing. for those out there with Netflix. Absolutely amazing. Uh, but back to the gaming and esports, John. We're going to take a quick <laughs> look back at 2021, uh, talk about some of the big things that happened. We're not going to spend a ton of time on it because we kind of did that with our end of the year show, but just a brief summary. Then we're going to jump into some new stuff because 2022 has already started with a bang. We have new stuff in technology from graphics cards. We have a big lawsuit that's already happened and been finalized. We have E3 with plans being told already this early. It's only January. E3 is not even, it's, it's five, six months away at this point. Uh, John, we have a lot. 
We have a lot to talk about. We have new Game Pass announcements. We have esports roster moves. Uh, we got a little bit of everything. And then to wrap up today's show, we're going to talk about some predictions for 2022 as well as some resolutions. We got some spicy hot takes at the end of the show. Make sure you stick around. You're not going to want to miss that. But, Joey, it's a new year. It's a new series of shows. But there's one thing that does stay the same, and that is our time-honored tradition that's been passed down from generation to generation. I feel like I've left that part out a little bit here uh, in the past couple of shows here. But, of course, I'm talking about the drink of choice. Uh, Joey, December was a hectic month for us. Uh, So uh, I'm looking to kick off 2022 with a spicy bang. So I am hoping... You're not starting 2022 off with just water. No, we are not. Well, it's water to some, they could say. I'm drinking bourbon, uh, a really oh. nice bourbon, actually. I'm starting the year off with some Blantons. Uh, I feel like it's going to be a big year for us. I feel like OTN has grown year over year. Every single year, we've gotten better at something, or we've grown uh, in one way or another. And I think 2022, we might grow in even more ways. I'm feeling really good about this year uh, on a personal level, on a business level, on a community level. So I'm really excited. We're going to start the year off in style. Bye, bye, bye is what Joey's trying to tell you. Uh, that OTN meme stock right there, because we're not publicly traded. Uh, yeah, Joey, it's going to be a crypto coin. <laughs> OTN coin. Oh, God. Um, so, uh, unfortunately, my copper mugs are no longer with us uh, due to a tragic event a couple months ago. Uh, so, Mandalorian glass of the uh, Bloody Comrade, a.k.a. vodka and uh, hibiscus ginger beer. Uh, it is by far one of my favorite drinks ever. Hold on. Yeah. Can we get another mm. look at that glass as well? Yeah, so I don't think you can really see it, but uh, it's got okay, the Mandalorian uh, helmet on I like it. it. Uh, shout out to uh, Dan the Man Ward. Uh, that was a Christmas gift there. I do appreciate that, bud. Um, so, uh, yep, sipping out of that today. It tastes absolutely delicious. And, Joey, with that, I feel like we are ready to get this episode started. A ton to talk about. Joey, let's go ahead and kick it off with gaming and esports news first. Let's go! Absolutely. Let's slide into that review of 2021. Guys, this is our first show of 2022. And what better way to start the year than to look back at some of the big memories of 2021? Uh, First off, this one hits home, John. This one hits home in a big way. This one, it's almost like X marks the spot on this event because you, sir, got an Xbox Series X this year and joined the Xbox family. Uh, Congratulations. That, to me, is probably... uh, There were a lot of great games, a lot of great announcements and news, but that is right toward the top of my list. Joey, it's only because it's impossible to find a PlayStation 5. Uh, we're, <laughs> we're, we're a full year later into this launch, and uh, it's still impossible to find a PlayStation 5. I still have yet to see one in person. Uh, so as far as I'm concerned, they do not actually exist. Um, even though I have friends that swear they have them, I don't believe them until I actually see it and, and hold the controller in my hand. Uh, but yes, I, I did get the Series X. It's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, playing Forza has been absolutely amazing. Being able to play Halo on launch day uh, and not have to find time to go over to a friend's house uh, to uh, play on their Xbox is, is, is always nice. Uh, they, it's also launched on PC, which is really cool. Um, but yeah, uh, super excited that the Series X has been very kind to me so far uh, as someone who has converted from the PlayStation scene. Um, I would like to say that I it doesn't mean I'm I'm not pro ps5 or anything because i still do like the ps5 quite a bit but i just don't think i'm at that point in my life where i can afford both consoles at the same time so we'll we'll see what happens down the road but yeah uh super excited to have the series x it's been absolutely fantastic so far 
Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, getting any of the next-gen game consoles is a win at this point. They are so hard to get their hands on, and now even the Nintendo Switch, which is sold in something like 90 million units at this point, is starting to become a little bit scarce with the chip shortages. So any next-gen console you can land, or Nintendo Switch included, it's a big win for anyone at this point. They're all phenomenal. The graphics are great. The SSDs are fantastic. So any of them are going to be big upgrades. You do have services like Game Pass available on Xbox. On Sony, you do have the really cool DualSense controller. So win-wins on both sides. In the end, gamers win. Uh, another big thing that happened in 2021 was the Epic vs. Apple case for those who tuned in for that craziness. Uh, that took up quite a few time segments on Level Up, so we're going to keep it short on this one. But Epic and Apple went at each other. Uh, some interesting almost marketing campaigns around the two uh, with Apple eventually pulling Fortnite off of the Apple store or the app store and Epic continuing to send suits toward them uh, be mainly because they wanted to collect their own money without Apple taking like a 20% charge off of it. In the end, it went back and forth. Apple technically won the case, or at least most parts of the case, um, but Epic did push forward where Apple now has to make some different changes to their App Store policies as well. Uh, so again, a win toward gamers. Uh, I still feel like Apple is a little bit too strict in certain areas, but the way Epic came at them, I think it is right that in the end, Apple did win most cases. Yeah, it was uh, definitely an interesting time period uh, for Epic versus Apple. Uh, when, the, when those documents came out of the lawsuit, um, I, I believe like we're literally saying like it's two, you know, multi-billion dollar companies fighting over hundreds of millions of dollars, um, which to the average person, the average gamer out there, you're sitting there going like, this is absolutely ridiculous. Like it's, it's insane. Uh, and it is, it, it honestly is. It, it's still going on to this day. It's, it's still a ridiculous thing, uh, between both companies. Uh, Apple's now the first, like, three trillion dollar company in the U in, in the world um and epic you know even with Fortnite dying uh is still raking in like 300 mil plus a month and it's absolutely disgusting <laughs> i wish i could pull that kind of money in but but nonetheless uh that was definitely a major topic last year and it's something that's you know gonna kind of shake up how mobile markets kind of go forward not just for apple but for the Google Play Store as well, uh, that they were involved, uh, you know, and, and how the ruling in Europe is going to happen. And, and there's just, it, it's still a very fluid situation. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, as much as people like to kind of keep mobile gaming to the side, it is a ginormous thing. People are raking in big money from mobile gaming. Fortnite, like you mentioned, Apex Legends is going to have a mobile game. Rocket League has moved to a mobile game. So you see a lot of big games and a lot of big free-to-play games start to move toward that mobile market. How can they tap into that big cash? Because what do you always have on you? Do you always carry your Xbox, your PlayStation, your PC? A lot of the times, no, but you do have your phone on you. So a lot of people realizing that is the big access point. And then with cloud gaming, with NVIDIA GeForce and xCloud, Stadia, Amazon Luna, all of these are going to continue to push that argument forward as they look to find new devices as well. So we'll be hearing a lot more of that moving forward, I have a feeling, in 2022. Next one is a little bit smaller, at least up front, but it will become bigger as the years go on. We did see the return of Lucasfilm games. Uh, Star Wars games are now back in the mix. They're also going to run a couple other things like Indiana Jones through there. This is pretty much Disney saying, hey, we tried gaming before. It didn't work out in-house. Now we're going to do that again, but in a different sense. So they are going to have an in-house house that is going to overlook their IPs in terms of gaming, but they won't be developing in-house at Lucasfilm. Uh, instead, they're looking for partnership deals. We already know about some, like... Um, Indiana Jones with machine games over at Bethesda and Xbox. You have the Star Wars game at Ubisoft that's been announced. 
uh, EA is no longer exclusive for Star Wars, but we do know they're working on a couple games. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order 2, or whatever the sequel gets called, will most likely be revealed in 2022. So, John, more Star Wars games, Indiana Jones, maybe even some other, uh, I guess, Disney IPs in general could run through Lucasfilm. We'll have to keep an eye on what that ends up looking like. But I think this is going to be a bigger win as we go into the later part of this decade. Oh, absolutely. I mean, anytime you kind of you can open up a group project to multiple studios that have like their own unique touch on how they produce games and how they write games, uh, you're going to get a very dynamic uh, story from these games. Uh, and, and I think you reach a broader audience when you do that versus, you know, let's be real here. When Star Wars was all in-house at EA, uh, you know, Star Wars fans are like, OK, yeah, great Star Wars games. And then the gamer side is like, crap, it's made by EA. Um, you know, how are they going to nickel and dime us now? Are they actually going to give us a complete game? Are they going to charge us $50 for DLC after four hours of playthrough? Uh, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, you're excited because of the content's being made, but you were like dreading it because it was made by EA. Now you have different studios working on it, like, like, like an Ubisoft. Uh, you know, let, let's talk about that. You know, Assassin's Creed, absolutely massive. Uh, and they've done a great job with storytelling through those games as well and really tying history in and letting the gamers experience certain eras of history through a very unique play style in Assassin's Creed. Now they're going to have their hand uh, at Star Wars. And I think that's very exciting for a lot of people that you know, really want more Star Wars content. Right now, if you're looking for stock to buy into, and this, this is not actual like financial stock, stock to buy into right now it's marvel and star wars like it's going to continue to go up it's not going to stop anytime soon yeah absolutely disney doing a really strong job with both those ips but i do like the fact they're looking for these partnerships now as well no offense to the disney star wars games of the past i think some were great some were not so great but look at all these talented studios out here, like a Naughty Dog, a Sony Santa Monica. Uh, you have tons with Xbox, with Obsidian, who's done really good with some of the Fallout IPs. Uh, there's just so many talented studios out there that would do a phenomenal job with something like Star Wars, with something like Marvel. I mean, look at Insomniac. Spider-Man has done phenomenally under their umbrella. Uh, now we have Wolverine under their umbrella as well. So as we continue to see these games come up, whether it be Star Wars, whether it be Marvel, I think there's a lot to look forward to from that Disney camp. Next up, some acquisitions and mergers. Uh, the biggest one of the year is Xbox Bethesda. That one finalized in March. $7.1 billion, I believe, is what it came out to. Maybe $8.1. I think it was $7, though. Um, but in the end, that's a huge merger. One of the biggest mergers we've ever seen in gaming history. Uh, Xbox really pulling the trigger on that one and pulling a relationship that they've had for a very long time. Since the original Xbox, we've seen these two work together. Uh, originally, some Elder Scrolls games were exclusive to Xbox, and now we're seeing more and more of those games, with the next big one being Starfield moving over exclusively to Xbox and PC. Uh, on the other side, though, we did see acquisitions throughout the industry. Tencent and Embracer were the next two big ones out there. John, we've talked about Tencent. It feels like almost every show. Uh, it feels like if they're not buying someone outright, they're investing somewhere between a 5 and 15% stake in different companies. And then eventually, once they spin their web around them, they like the way they operate, and then they end up making the acquisition if that ends up being the case. So Tencent, big moves. Embracer. Embracer Group is flying under the radar. They've been in talks with 100-something developers. Not even exaggerating. Literally, like 125 developers they've been in talks with in 2021. A lot of those moving forward. Uh, I think something like 45 or so acquisitions ended up moving forward in that year. Uh, so a big one there. And then a little bit on the lower scale, we did see Sony make quite a few moves. They acquired, I think, seven or so developers this past year. Uh, I like the acquisitions from Sony, though. So a lot of people discounting a lot of them. 
Blue Point, I think, is a big acquisition for them. They've worked together for years. Same with Housemark. Housemark came out with Returnal. Sure, it didn't sell that many copies, but it did get some great nominees uh, as far as like Game of the Year awards. Um, I think it's a really creative style coming from them too. If you look at Blue Point, they've done a very good job remaking titles. And then you have other ones that they're looking at, like Nixes, for example, that a lot of people are like, oh, Nixes isn't known for any games, but they're known for porting games to PC. And I think that's Sony kind of looking at the big picture and a lot of people kind of not looking at what they're doing, but they're trying to port more games to PC. And we've already seen other developers like Microsoft do that. And they've had a lot of success, like Forza Horizon 5 did phenomenally well. Halo Infinite sold very well as well. But Halo is still kind of shaky on PC. Bringing someone like Nixes in will say, hey, we're Sony. We're not going to have the issues we did with Horizon Zero Dawn launching on PC. Let's get that all shirt up. Let's make sure the port is clean and then launch it. So I think it's a very forward-thinking move by Sony there as well. So while they're not making $7.1 billion acquisitions or hundreds of acquisitions like we saw with Tencent and Embracer over the last couple of years, I think these are some very big ones coming out of their camp as well. Well, that was a lot of Sony praise. I... Um, yeah, any yeah, other think, thoughts I, I to say there on acquisitions? <laughs> you have to take a shower with all that praise that you just gave Sony. It was a little weird. Um, I do have to agree with chat here quickly. <laughs> Halo PC is super janky. I agree. Uh, I think there's a big memory leak issue, to be completely honest, and I don't think they know how to uh, take advantage of the GPU as much because the CPU is like running at 100% running that game. So, yeah, it definitely has issues, and I think I, that's why I like the acquisition with Sony. They're looking at that PC up front now. <laughs> being called out because I looked to my side monitor and they're like, oh, you're watching chat. I was like, I was actually watching Twitter real quick. Uh, but yeah, you're right, Joey. Uh, the acquisitions last year were absolutely insane. Um, you know, Microsoft, you know, had their flurry uh, with their initiative where they started like gobbling up every single developer out there uh, in studio. Then you have, uh, you know, Tencent. Like, and I, th- I think Tencent was like really uh, the most strategic uh company out there when it came to those acquisitions because like you said it'd be five percent here it'd be 12 percent here just enough to get their foot in the door then once they had once they had access to that inside information they saw what was going on and they kind of put their own touch to it then they would go in and fully acquire everything really really uh interesting way of kind of like not really conquering from the inside but i think it was a really smart move because if you, let's say you put 12% in, you, know, you buy you buy 12% of the company, let's say you're not happy with it, you can easily sell 12% off. You'll find a buyer for 12% if it doesn't work out for you. If you like what they're doing and you want to invest more, guess what? You already have the end. You already have the relationships. Guess what? You're 10 cent. You can go and buy them out. Uh, and then it falls into your larger port, uh, portfolio. So I, I, I thought 10 cent uh, being aggressive, sneaky aggressive is what I'm going to call it. Um, but in reality, it was a really smart move by them. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. And that Bethesda Xbox merger, what can you say? Absolutely massive, ground shaking for the gaming industry. Uh, and it's, it's such a huge win for both parties involved. Yeah, I don't think people understand how big Tencent is. Like, just to name a few companies they have stake in, they have a lot of stake in Epic Games, they have a lot of stake in Activision Blizzard. They have a lot of stake in Riot Games. In fact, 100% of the stake, they completely own Riot Games, which is League of Legends, Valorant, Wild Rift, it goes on and so forth. Then you have Supercell. When you look at mobile games, Clash of Clans, Clash Royale, some of the biggest ones out there fall under Supercell. Tencent is literally everywhere. They own some of the biggest mobile games all around, even outside of Supercell. They have stake in, I think they ended up buying the War, or um, what's that, Warframe? 
I think they ended up buying that developer as well. Like, they have stakes everywhere. And it's like Sean was saying, it's almost, I don't want to call them a virus, but they know how to go in early, and then they start spreading, and they slowly pick up more and more stake of companies. And then if they like the way they operate, then they just continue to pick them up until they have 100%, or at least majority of a lot of these. So they've done a very good job making their way into the gaming market, even with China putting stricter and stricter video game regulations out there. Tencent is so involved that they have so many stakes over here in North America, South America, Asia. They're just pretty much everywhere at this point. So as John said, they have done a very good job of all these ones. Sure, Microsoft splashed big cash on Bethesda. Sony's doing good moves to finally move to porting to PC. But Tencent and Bracer really have really, really, really made big moves. Uh, next up, we're going to skip a couple of these. Just to mention, a couple big games came out this year as well. There were tons of big games. Uh, but Nintendo Switch released Metroid Dread. I would argue that was probably their biggest game of the year, at least from first party. Sony, I would say, probably Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, another big game. Uh, was nominated for a lot of Game of the Year awards, unfortunately not winning any of them. And then also we had Xbox with some big releases too. Age of Empires 4 for the PC fans out there. Uh, Halo Infinite. Halo finally made it return after six years in Forza Horizon 5. Uh, got some nominations. Not a Game of the Year nomination for them, uh, but they did come out with arguably the best graphics of the year in a lot of people's perspective. Uh, so all three first-party console makers with some big games this year. Uh, with that, let's slide into one of them, which is the launch of Halo Infinite. We finally have Halo. It's six years. John and I have been waiting for this one for quite a while. Now out, and we had the chance to go down to Raleigh to see the esports scene kick off with HCS Rally. And John, I think we have some pictures to show everyone here as well. Yeah, we're, we're going janky here. Uh, if, if you are not following the OTN Media Instagram account, uh, that's where we pretty much documented the entire weekend. Uh, and, you know, we had backstage access to like the staging area. We got in early. Uh, so we, we got a very unique behind the scenes access. Uh, to the first Halo Infinite HCS tournament live in person. Uh, Joey, I, I, I mean, we've said it once, we'll say it again. There is nothing like esports in person. Uh, there is absolutely nothing like it. It's a completely different animal than watching it on Twitch or on YouTube or whatever channel you're on. Um, the fact that this was the first time in HCS history they gave a behind-the-scenes tour, uh, we're talking uh, seeing the broadcasting trucks. We're talking... Uh, the, the actual production stage, how they fend off DDoS attacks. I mean, they gave so many cool information behind the scenes stuff there. Uh, we got a chance to go on the stage before the entire tournament kicked off. Uh, took some pictures there as well. The entire event was massively successful. Uh, just everything about it is exactly what you want from a live eSport event. It's exactly what Halo needed to kind of rejuvenate that eSport scene that's been missing for so long. Uh, and it was really cool to see all the organizations there uh, front and center. And, Joey, one of the coolest things about attending a LAN event is, you know, I, I could be sitting there watching Cloud9 take on X-Set in an, in an off-main stage match on, on, a, on a Delta Stream uh, stage all the way to the far side of, of the convention center. And I could be sitting next to the guys that play on Space Station. I could be sitting next to, to, to G2, and, and the players will talk with you, and they'll engage with you, and it's just, that's something you don't get in, like, traditional sports. That's something that, that you don't get uh, in, in, like, everyday, like, real-world kind of interactions with people. Uh, you can sit there, you have that common interest in Halo, they'll talk strategy with you, they'll talk, you know, about their experience. They are super friendly people. 
Uh, you just treat them with respect, and, and they're completely cool with it. And it is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Joey, that was definitely the best way to close out 2021 uh, was at HCS Raleigh, and I'm super excited uh, to see the Halo scene uh, be rejuvenated once again. And just to let you guys know, a lot of these pictures are taken from either the first, second, or third row. We are very up close yeah. to the stage for every single one of these. Uh, so we did get some good picks throughout a lot of these ones. Uh, we did eventually move back to the third row because our necks were kind of hurting in the first row. So it's like, ah, looking up at the screen's a little painful at this point. Um, but yeah, overall, I think the event was phenomenal. I think the venue worked really well. Uh, the open play stuff, it, it needs some work, uh, similar to the optimization of Halo Infinite on PC. It felt like the... I'm not going to discredit the tournament organizers because the game itself is kind of janky on PC. Uh, they did end up moving it to Xbox development consoles for the open play area. Uh, then it became more of a time management issue where they had to wait uh, pretty much for everyone to sit down before they launched a round, which I get. It's like standardized testing in a sense, uh, but it did end up slowing down. If they were waiting on one or two groups, it pretty much slowed everyone down. Uh, so that became a little bit of an issue as the weekend went on. Uh, overall, the main stage, day one was a little bit rough. Uh, PC, they were running PC for the game and for streams up top on stage. And eventually that created some crashing issues toward the later half of day one, uh, eventually moving them over to those Xbox consoles. And it pretty much ran smoothly for day two and three. So looking forward, we'll have to see what they end up doing if they wait for the PC version to get updated a little bit more for the majors before moving back to that or if they do go Xbox for main stage. Uh, any other thoughts though? I felt like... Overall, the convention center worked well. I love the fact that individual partner teams did have booths. Like, FaZe had a booth, Sentinels had a booth, uh, Space Station had a booth over there. Cloud9 didn't have a booth, and neither did Optic, but they did have a giant section of the 343 merch tent. Uh, so they were very well represented there as well. Uh, how many people would you say were there? I would say, like, seven to 10,000, maybe? Oh, easily. Uh, it yeah. was, I, I believe, the entire, I mean, yeah, the whole thing was sold out. I mean, it was absolutely nuts. Um, and it was really cool with those, with those, um, orgs having those, those stations and everything and just kind of being able to interact with fans. Like, yeah, they're, I mean, for a new generation, Halo is fairly new, uh, especially to, to, to Gen Z. Like they just didn't grow up with Halo kind of like millennials did. Uh, so there were a lot of neutrals there. A lot of people looking for a team to support, learning about, uh, legendary players, um, you know. And that might sway people and being able to interact with them and being able to talk with people that represent that organization. Um, you know, it, it was was such a cool event. And then on top of it, you know, being there with with, you know, seven to ten thousand of, of your closest Halo friends and family now, uh, it, it was super respectful. Like, yeah, there's you know, there's people that you're rooting against. Like, Joey, on day two, uh, day, on day three, Championship Sunday, uh, we were surrounded by uh, a bunch of FaZe fans. And if anybody knows me, I'm not exactly a massive face clan fan uh, or supporter. Uh, and I won't I won't dive too deep into it, but not a real big fan of them. Um, but like you still respect the fans like we were there, like joking about the games and everything. Like as long as phase wasn't playing cloud nine, I could care less how they did. Uh, but it was fun. Um you know, and everyone got along. It was it was a super great time. Uh, people were very respectful uh, obviously there's COVID protocol going on there too. A lot of people were respectful with that as well. Uh, it was just great. It was great all around. And I, I think it made a lot of people, uh, become fans of, uh, of halo that may have not even been introduced to halo, uh, in their childhood, just because of, of how halo ended up working. Um, 
on their release schedule. So I, I thought overall super successful, and, and it definitely helped uh, the scene grow. Yeah, absolutely. In-person was great. Stream numbers were great. We'll have to keep an eye on it because every new title or new re-emerging title, I guess you could say in the case of Halo, does have a pretty strong start. It's just how can they keep that momentum going? So we'll have to keep an eye as they enter into league play and then eventually into their next major, which I believe is currently scheduled for February in Anaheim. Uh, again, COVID changing things around schedule-wise as far as esports and gaming right now. So we'll keep an eye on that. And John, you mentioned this, but the one other thing I just kind of want to mention again uh, is just the atmosphere of these events. Like being in person for land is phenomenal there's so much energy there's so much excitement going around everyone's cheering everyone's super hyped up and on top of that like john said the ability to just walk alongside pro players and pro streamers or streamers that are signed with orgs on big contracts like we're literally standing in food lines next to people like snipe down and walshy and it's just crazy to have these people like who've been there in the case of like walshy and snipe down for decades in this scene and then other like new re-emerging streamers just kind of walking around at one point john and i were sitting there watching like a g2 navi match and a cloud nine match and we're sitting next to spartan from e united just talking about like tactics and what needs to happen in the game and what adjustments need to be made and it's just such a cool experience that you never really see in like professional sports i can't go to an mlb game and have these discussions as easily with a pro player but at an esport event while they're waiting for their matches while they're watching other matches to kind of get intel for their upcoming matches against different opponents it's just so much easier to have these conversations to sit down and talk to be like one of the group uh, where these people are really immersed or really surrounded in the community, but as well as being a part of the community, as opposed to just a spectacle, they're actually a part of it. They're enjoying it. They're cheering along as well. So I think that is one of the things that really sets esports apart too. Really cool stuff. Okay, from there, we're going to head into some new gaming news because there is new stuff happening here in 2022. Then we're going to dive a little bit more into some esports and wrap things up with some 2022 things to look forward to and some uh, resolutions, per se. Uh, kicking things off, let's talk Riot Games. We talked about this one last year and the year before and the year before that. It started all the way back in 2018, but it has finally been settled. Riot Games has been ordered to pay $100 million in a settlement of their recent gender discrimination case. $80 million of that will be going to current and former female employees at the company. I don't know the exact years that that goes all the way back to. I would assume if the case started in 2018, probably somewhere around 2015 or so would be my guess. I haven't really looked too deeply into it, um, but I think this is a big win for female employees in the gaming industry. Uh, we see a lot of this happening in multiple companies, unfortunately. Riot Games being one of those bigger ones. Uh, as we mentioned, they are under that Tencent umbrella now as well. So different regulations coming down from there too. Um, but in the end, people getting what they deserve here. Uh, $80 million going to those female employees. Now, this to me is still just a start. There's still a culture shift that needs to happen in the video game industry, and we're moving toward that. Uh, money is one thing, but I think there's a lot of um, levels of respect that needs to continue to increase in the industry as well. Uh, I think this is a good part. I think this should be a good precedent. And as we continue to see Activision with the issues that they have going on, I think eventually this becomes a precedent for that case as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when the news broke with, with Riot Games... Um it, it really it, it it really sucks to say it, but like it, it's not surprising anymore. Like like it really isn't surprising in the gaming industry uh, when uh, <laughs> you want to take care of that bot, Joey. Uh, <laughs> got gotta love it. Got, got, Buy gotta love followers and viewers. Yeah. Sure, I'll click this suspicious link. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, it's one of those things where it, it's not surprising, but at the same time, like it never, you know. 
it, it makes you sick to your stomach because the the it's commonly referred to as like the bro culture, uh, you know, a, a version of of toxic masculinity, uh, uh, you know, where you know it's it, it's a guy's world and and you know the 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 girls are allowed to play. It's completely toxic. It's 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 not right. Sexual harassment is never okay, uh, regardless of gender. Um, you know, so it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, it, it, it took too long for this to really pan out. Obviously, there, there's a lot of legal stuff that goes into it. Rightfully so. Riot uh, has to pay $100 million out. Um, but I, I feel like the big thing here is that the reason why the Riot Games settlement wasn't big in the news is because it was overshadowed by another story of the exact same kind in Blizzard Activision. Uh, one that received a lot more publicity because of just the, the, the massive influence they have in the gaming industry. Um, the fact that gamers who grew up playing Blizzard titles were now at this uh, point in their life where they had to make a decision of, do I want to continue to p pay a monthly subscription to, pay, to play World of Warcraft knowing my money is going to go to a company that... Uh, literally sexually assaulted and abused people in their own studio? Or am I going to take my time somewhere else? You know, it, it's a big pivot point as a gamer because it's like, if you played World of Warcraft from the start, that's over 10 years you've, of your life you've invested into that game. Uh, and it's a great game, don't get me wrong. But the problem is is the studio behind it and the culture that it, it was breeding. Um so yeah, Blizzard Activision's up next, 100%, and I expect to see a settlement uh, that should be a lot larger than $100 million like we saw from Riot. Um, I would almost have to say that the Blizzard Activision uh, situation is worse, mainly because of just how public everything has been. The the, the first-hand accounts, the, the, the survivor stories, uh, just the... Um, uh, through their stories, the images they were able to paint into the reader's head of what happened. Uh, it, it's truly appalling. It's, it's absolutely disgusting. Uh, so Blizzard Activision, you guys are up next. Uh, get ready to dig into those pockets to try to make things right. Uh, but money doesn't solve it. At the end of the day, money doesn't fix uh, those, those moments in life that, that hurt those people's lives, that, that will forever change who they are as a person. Um, and their mental health. It's 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 not okay. It, it's like you said, Joe, it's a culture shift that needs to happen. It's something that people need to take seriously. Uh, and we as consumers have a responsibility. Uh, you know, a lot of these companies don't listen to the gamers. They listen to their wallet. They listen to their bank account. Uh, so a lot of people did end up leaving Blizzard Activision as gamers uh, and move on to other games. Star Wars The Old Republic, Final Fantasy Online. Uh, there's a ton of different MMOs that people move to. Uh, Overwatch, a game that's already been struggling, hurt even more by this. Uh, you know, the, the Warcraft 3 remake was an absolute disaster add on top of it. More people are leaving. Um, it, it, it's big. It's big, and Blizzard Activision have a long way to go to repair that relationship. Absolutely, and stay on them, guys, because like, look at the Riot thing. This started back in 2018. It's 2022, and this is being resolved. Uh, early 2022, but still, we're talking years between when it started versus when it finished. So this thing's going to be probably going on for years, unfortunately. But in the end, hopefully, due diligence is done. 
I'm sure there's going to be some kind of money settlement, and I would argue you're right, John. I think north of 100 million is probably the way it goes. Um, but in the end, this is something that's probably going to be a ongoing investigation, and then eventually a case with lawyers and such for years to come. Moving forward, let's head into CES, big, big tech event. It happens in January, and it just happened recently this past week. Uh, a lot of big announcements coming out. We're just going to briefly touch on some of them because in the end, I mean, when are you guys going to touch these graphics cards? You know they're all going to scalping bots for the first few months, probably the first couple of years at the rate we're going. Uh, they're probably going to be moved into some cryptocurrency instead of into some PCs for gaming. Uh, in the end, unfortunately, that's the day and age we live in. But John, do you just want to briefly touch on some of these AMD and NVIDIA announcements? Because I I personally don't know graphics cards. I say, hey, John, what graphics card should I get? And you tell me if I can afford it. I pull the trigger and then bada bing, bada boom. Uh, if people are looking to to battle, in a sense, these scalpers uh, to take on these bots, what type of graphics cards do they have to look forward to here from AMD and NVIDIA? I'll be honest, whatever's available. If you can actually get one into your shopping cart, just buy it. Um, <laughs> I, I really hate to say it. It's really gotten to that point. Uh, the, the bots are bad. The scalpers are bad. Um, it, it, it's, it's, it's a really tough time because the biggest issue is even with these new lines that are coming out from AMD is the chip shortage. Like there is still a supply shortage when it comes to creating, uh, these tech devices. Uh, and, and while it's great and everything, it just, it, it if you can literally not even joking, even if you get your hands on like the economy level of graphics card, buy it <laughs> because you may not get another chance again for a couple years. Um, and, and I say that uh, with, with, with this in mind, I run a, a uh, GTX 980. Uh, the 980 is like seven years old right now, right? It runs probably close to 85% of current gen games at medium graphics level. Uh, very few at high for current gen, uh, but it's still, it's still trucks. That 980 right now, I can sell used for like $900 is, is what the going rate is right now. I paid $400 for it. $400 for it back when it first came out. That's how bad supply and demand is right now for these graphics cards. Even used cards are going for insane amounts. So, yes, honestly, if you get one in the shopping cart, just pull the, just pull the trigger on it. For AMD, their big thing was their mobile uh, their mobile. Uh, devices, their laptops, uh, the graphics cards that are built into it. Absolutely phenomenal. They're really bumping those specs up as well. Uh, their new processors that are coming out. AMD is really pushing Intel to the brink uh, with a lot of their stuff. They have uh, one of the craziest processors ever, the Threadripper. No one's going to be able to afford it. It's like $1,200. Uh, but that thing is an absolute beast. One of the best processors, if not the best processor out there. It's absolutely phenomenal, but but in all honesty, uh, and 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 I'm not saying it as a joke either. Uh, when it comes to a graphics card, if it's last gen or current gen, if you can get into a shopping cart, just buy it because it will run 99% of the current generation games at medium to high. Some maybe even ultra high, depending upon which one you can get uh, on, on your graphics level. But it is that kind of world right now. If you can get it, just get it in your cart and buy it. 
There you have it, folks. Whether it's a new graphics card, an old graphics card, or one that's a decade old, any of these graphics cards seem to be selling very well. Uh, so regardless of what was shown at CES, because it's probably a couple years before a lot of consumers can get their hand on them, uh, unless you're planning to pay double to triple the price based on what we're seeing on eBay and stuff like that already with a lot of these cards, uh, they are something to look forward to in the future, but probably not the near future for most of us. Another big announcement coming out at CES was PlayStation VR. Uh, we've been told about this before, PSVR 2. I believe it was announced originally in a PlayStation blog post. Uh, now it has an official name, though. It's now PSVR 2, and we did see a new Horizon IP-based game for VR as well coming out in this announcement. A lot of cool things to look forward to. Uh, just to give a few away, so they talk about the visual fidelity. Uh, we're looking at a 4K HDR 110-degree field of view experience. There's an OLED display involved into this as well. Uh, you're looking at smooth frame rates, 90 to 120 hertz. Uh, you have a 2000 to 2040 per eye display resolution. Uh, for those doing the math with your pixels and all that goodness, a lot of good stuff <laughs> happening there. You have headset-based controller tracking. So a lot of the controllers right now, you have sensors involved. This one is going to be tracked completely from the headset, uh, which is going to be a cool way forward. Some already doing that, but this one continuing to move it forward. Some new tech involved too. Sensory features, eye tracking, all that goodness baked in. Unfortunately, we've only seen patents of the headset and controllers. We haven't seen the official thing yet, so I think that'll be revealed a little bit later in 2022. Uh, but John, VR is an interesting train. We've seen VR do very well with certain games. Half-Life Alex is one that comes to mind. Uh, we've seen a number of other ones come out throughout this past year. Uh, but VR has never really taken off to a huge degree where a lot of people are grabbing into it. Uh, even PlayStation at one point was actually shutting down a lot of their first-party VR studios. Uh, but now continuing to show that they're going to invest more into it. And not only invest into the headset, but invest back into first party. Instead of doing VR-only studios, though, now mixing in a little bit of what we already have with stuff like Gorilla, who made really great games in Horizon Forbidden... Uh, what is it? Uh, Horizon... I'm blanking on the name. Forbidden Dawn? Horizon... Forbidden Zero West. Dawn. Horizon Zero, Zero Dawn. Dawn. Horizon Forbidden West. 2022, ladies and gentlemen. The tongue twisters <laughs> continue. Uh, so two really great games in that Horizon IP as well as a number of other great games out there. Now moving into the VR space. So I like that they're tapping into the devs they already have. The, dev the devs who have already shown a lot of success on the console platform. Uh, now moving them into a little bit of a VR approach as well. Yeah. And, and again, the biggest hurdle with VR is, is the entry point. It is the only part in gaming that requires uh, an extra layer, if you will. Uh, it's it's essentially a form of gatekeeping, if you, if you really want to think about it that way. If you want to buy into VR, you have to buy a computer powerful enough to run it with a graphics card powerful enough to run it, which, congratulations, if you can do that, you can play pretty much any game on the market right now. But then if you want to play VR, you have to go out and get the headset. You have to go out and get the components for it, which is an additional two, $300 plus dollars. Uh, it, it, it what I would like to see going forward is I want the I want the VR technology to get to the point where they can actually start lowering that price point. I feel like the one fifty, two hundred dollar at most price range is going to be where people are going to actually buy into VR. Um, it's it's just one of those things where the idea is cool. We can say it's the future of gaming all we want. Uh, but the problem is, is, is that price tag. You're asking so much. You're asking for a computer that can run VR, expensive in the first place, or a console that can run VR, $500, plus the equipment, the VR equipment, plus the game, 
it's it's just so steep. It's just so steep in comparison to everything else out there. There's not enough content, in my opinion, to really justify a plunge into VR. If you have that kind of disposable income, then so be it. Who am I to tell you what to do with your money? You got it? Use it. I don't care. But for the for the for the average gamer, the the consumer conscious uh, gamer out there, it's just tough to get into. Absolutely. And we don't know the price point of this one yet. Again, Sony kind of light on the details overall outside of some nice buzzwords here and there. So we'll keep an eye on that price point. And eventually, once it's announced, we will bring that to you guys as well. Uh, as John said, a lot of the time, VR having to have a very nice, capable PC to run it. The nice thing with stuff like PSVR is it should run from your PlayStation. I would assume not compatible with PS4, probably PS5 only for this one. Um, but supposedly, it should be able to run on that console as well. Uh, so that is one thing to keep in mind with the PS version versus something like an Oculus. Moving forward, just a quick hit on this one. E3, guys, it is headed back to being online only, unfortunately. Uh, with surging COVID-19 cases across the country, E3 and ESA are making the decision already. Eventually... They're going to move back to online only. They were hoping to be back in person for 2022, but the way cases are going, they're just going to make the decision now. Instead of waiting it out a couple months to make it, they're going to make it now and move to online only. Uh, so in the end, E3, we're still going to get presentations. We're still going to have that big Xbox, but that is a presentation in Ubisoft and whoever else decides to show up. But in the end, it will be all online. Uh, no real big in-person there. So it's unfortunate, but we will still be getting game announcements in one way or another from that event. Nothing like a five-month early announcement. Nothing like a five-month early announcement. But, hey, I mean, it takes a lot of planning. There's a it lot does. of money it that does. goes into that event, so I do get it, uh, making that decision early. It is unfortunate, though. Uh, hopefully cases are down by that time. But, yeah, they're making it early. They're calling the call, and they have done it there. Uh, next up, just another kind of quick announcement, but one I personally am excited for. And, John, I feel like you're going to be as well. Uh, an achievement list has been kind of data mined. It surfaced for a possible GoldenEye port on Xbox. Originally, this was supposed to be a thing on Xbox 360. It was made from the ground up, once again, from that N64 edition. Not just a port, but made from the ground up. But eventually, conflicts arose. Uh, with the 007 IP, it's messy. One person owned the IP, and then Rare was involved in the game, and then Xbox bought Rare, but there was a partnership with Nintendo. So all these different cooks in the kitchen, and in the end, it just did not happen. Uh, now there are rumors, the deals have been made, and this puppy is back on the table. So screw your silencer on, because the N64 fans can potentially jump into this puppy on Xbox consoles, and maybe on PC as well, uh, when it eventually launches. But at least for now, we do have an achievement list. Uh, it's a little bit different than some of the stuff that was in the N64 version. So that leads me to believe this was the 360 version that was built from the ground up. Uh, it could be ported over via backwards compatibility. It could be even newly refreshed for the Xbox consoles, Series X and S. Uh, but in the end, John, there was nothing like GoldenEye split screen back in the day. And I'm excited to have the possibility of that once again with this new game. Screaming at your friend because you think he's screen watching you trying to figure out like where you're <laughs> hiding and everything. Or you always had that one friend, <coughs> Joey, uh, that put the cheat codes in to get Odd Job uh, and would run around in slappers only. You could never see the guy because Odd Job was like literally like that big on the screen. It felt like. Oh, Joey. I don't think I ever played with that one. That sounds crazy. Oh my gosh, Odd Job was was such a cheat code in itself. <laughs> yeah, you can put a cheat code in. You can unlock all these other characters that were in Goldeneye uh, that are that were not uh, playable unless you had that cheat code, and that was that was kind of the cool thing about games back in the N64 era, like the Sega Genesis, uh, you know, all those consoles that were offline, was that they built in cheat codes on purpose. 
they built in cheat codes for you to go back in and kind of like replay the game in a different manner or play multiplayer in a different manner where it's like big heads or paintball mode or slappers only. Uh, you know, fun things like that. So, uh, yeah, it, it was really cool. I'm super excited for it. GoldenEye 007 was a groundbreaking game, one of the best sellers ever on the N64 console. Uh, it was a great movie, one of the best James Bond movies ever, one of the best action uh, games, one of the best shooter games that really helped pave the way for those types of shooters going forward. Really a groundbreaking game. Super excited that if this does come to fruition, uh, that a new generation of gamers that may not have access to an N64 uh, are going to be able to play this game that was just incredible. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely. And I'm curious how it's going to hold up for us as well. Like, we remember this game so, so fondly for the memories <laughs> and at the time the graphics. Uh, but nowadays, with graphics like Forza Horizon 5 coming out that are almost photorealistic in a sense, uh, I'm curious how that how that kind of stands in our minds today once we bad. get a chance to replay this one. Uh, but I do remember the secret passages. I remember big head mode. <laughs> I remember there was like a cheat code for everyone having golden guns, which was mm -hmm. kind of crazy. Um, a lot of fun stuff in that game for sure. Moving into our indelightful new indie segment, let's talk about a couple indie games that have been announced or at least given new details. The first one, let's play videos while we're going through these. Nobody Saves the World. This one's going to drop a couple weeks from now, January 18th. It'll be dropping on Xbox consoles, PC, and in Game Pass day one at launch. Uh, this, to me, is one of the big indie games to look forward to in 2022, and it's coming nice and early. Uh, this is from the makers of Guacamelee. Uh, Guacamelee and Guacamelee 2, extremely high-rated indie games out there. They were on Game Pass at one point as well. Not sure if they still are, um, but if you guys want to check out another game from this dev, they are over there. Drinkbox is the dev. Uh, this game looks phenomenal. Uh, very different style. It's going to bring a uh, kind of a dark sense to it, but also this really fun co-op thing where you can combine powers with your teammates uh, for a really cool co-op experience. Like you see a mouse being played here. Uh, there's all different characters and forms you can play as. Another one coming in is the Ranger. Uh, a lot of different versatility here as far as just you as a solo player, but also as a co-op experience, combining all these different forms and skills. And I think it's definitely one to look forward to here in 2022 in terms of indies. Yeah, it looks absolutely insane. I can't wait for it. Uh, I love the art style, too. It's it's a really cool art style. And, and there's something to be said with studios kind of taking on that classic uh, cartoony look in, in an era of, like like you said, Forza Horizon 5. Uh, that's just, like, absolutely blowing the the water with when it comes to graphics. Um, so I, I, I think it's great. I think it looks amazing. And, Joe, I can't wait to play it with you. Absolutely excited to dive. Maybe we'll do that one on stream since it's a nice co-op experience. Uh, the next one, and you guys might say, well, Joey, why are you bringing this one up? Because it's still a couple months away. We just got a release date for Tunic. It's going to be March 16th. John, I am bringing this one up because like Death's Door last year, I want to hit it nice and early. I think this is going to be the indie game of the year this year. You're playing as a cute fox. I mean, who doesn't love cute foxes? On top of that, it's like a Legend of Zelda traditional experience. You get your nice little sword or your staff. You're going around as a fox. Uh, but John, this one takes a dark turn. Not necessarily story-wise, but based on the demos I've played, this game is hard as hell. Uh, it is like the Dark Souls of cute fox games. Uh, the save points are very hard to come by. It is extremely punishing. You have to learn all of these enemy mechanics going through it. I was literally dying in the first cave over and over. Uh, I'm like, I'm a cute fox. How am I dying so many times, so gruesomely over and over? Um, but it is one of those games, I think it's extremely hard. I will probably not be able to finish this game, um, but it is one to look forward to, and I think it has potential game of the year quality, at least in terms of indie games for this upcoming year. 
And Joey, just goes to show you that the power of cuteness is not enough to overcome your foes. And Absolutely. Really I mean, message. this is adorable. It's... Look at this beautiful little fox just <laughs> running around, rolling around. Uh, but the enemies hit hard. They hit like trucks. This is insane. Oh, it looks is that so a horse? Good. I don't know what that was. It looked like 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 Anubis or something from like uh, <laughs> Egyptian mythology or something. I don't know. It was it was, it was something. So there you guys have it. Tunic, we're hitting that one nice and early. Still two months away, uh, but it'll be fun to bring some more previews of indie games throughout the shows in weeks to come. Uh, with that, John, let's head over to our Champions Agents Heroes Oh My new segment because uh, we do have a new hero or champion rather coming to League of Legends and then a new agent coming to Valorant. We're going to go ahead and play those videos and just give a quick synopsis of some of the abilities that we are kind of seeing happening here. I just want the new season of Arcane is, is all this is making me want while oh, watching this. Yes, please. But yeah, um, Joey, I'll be completely honest. This is my first time seeing uh, the the trailers. I did not have a chance to watch Well, fun fact, this one just dropped right before the show. Yeah, so I <laughs> did not even watch it real quick at all. Uh, so it's kind of cool getting the two experiences with everyone here live on Twitch. Again, perks of catching the show live on Twitch uh thursdays 8 p.m eastern time definitely check it out if you're a podcast listener it's a very unique experience uh from there as well in league of legends joey like what can you not say about this game i mean this game has been going on for for north of 10 years now continuing to pump out champion after champion making this game more and more complex and confusing uh there's like what 189,000 uh champions now uh in in, in league of legends <laughs> it feels like I was gonna uh, give you 180, but once we went to 189,000, that's that's a little high. And then, uh, I feel like there's I, there's over 150, so probably what 160 yeah. something nowadays. There's like 4.3 billion different item combinations you can have in there as well <laughs> uh, that change every two weeks with different patches. Uh, so yeah, it feels like you need to literally be in League of Legends College to keep up to date with everything that's going on here. Uh, but somehow the the brains at Riot continue to pump out new characters. Um, you know, whether they're new abilities or whether they're kind of remakes of existing abilities, uh, making them into new kits, they, they find some way to keep the game fresh and, and going for 10 plus years. Uh, and, and this is the newest uh, champion that we have. There you have it, Zeri, with an electrifying kit. Uh, quite the shocking experience getting introduced to that here on stream as well. Uh, get it, electric guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in the end, she looks like an AD carry to me. I feel like she's going to play in that bot lane role, kind of attack heavy. Uh, some nice skills to mix in here and there, but really relying on those auto attacks. Once we do get the full kit and the descriptions and the breakdown of all that, we'll bring that to you guys here on the show as well. But there's a little teaser of Zeri, the next hero champion, rather heading to League of Legends. Over to Valorant, we have Neon making her way in. Another, uh, there's a little bit of electricity going on in this one. A lot of movement baked into Neon's kit as well. You'll get a little preview of that here too. And, and kudos to Riot. They they really have been crushing it when it comes to, uh, you know, new character reveals. These these uh, uh, videos they've put out. Um, it it really does remind me of uh, World of Warcraft's heyday, like back in Wrath of the Lich King. Uh, where cinematics really played a massive role kind of telling that story and kind of getting the, the player hyped uh, for what was to come next, working your way towards in-game. You know, for a game like Valorant or League of Legends, where there really is no story mode, uh, it's just that multiplayer experience, uh, you have to find different ways to engage your audience, to try to bring in new gamers. 
Uh, and with the success of Arcane really bringing in uh, people and introducing them to League of Legends, as soon as they're in that Riot community, they're going to be introduced to Valorant. Uh, and, and this this uh, new hero in Valorant, or this new agent, is so unique, mainly because of her mobility. She has a slide. That is something that is is brand new in this game. Yeah, you have some like dashes here and there. You have teleport available uh, as well. But to be able to duck and slide is such a massive movement and it's such a game breaker for Valorant. I mean, this feels like it's almost a must pick for teams or for players when they go on uh, to play Valorant when they're looking to possibly climb that you know ranked ladder. This. This agent is going to be a massive, massive game changer with her with her mobility. Uh, and you can bet your bottom dollar there's going to be a lot of highlight videos coming out once she eventually releases. Uh, I mean, the kit, just like you said, so much movement baked in from the slide. You have the double wall coming up. A lot of cool things to look forward to. We don't have the full breakdown of the abilities, but just from the video alone. Uh, now you got shocking fingers going on, too. So a lot of cool things coming out with Neon. When you look at it, I feel like this is going to be a noob killer of a hero or champion or agent or rather whatever they're called. Uh, I think it's agent in Valorant. Uh, but she's going to come in and absolutely annihilate noobs. Like Her movement is really going to throw people off, especially in a game like Valorant where you're almost encouraged to stand still to get your shots to be accurate. Now she's sliding around the map and making these double walls, and there's just a lot going on for a lot of people to track. So I think at the lower LP levels, it's going to be a little bit tough to get a handle on. But eventually, once you're at the higher levels, I'm curious to see what her cap ends up being. She doesn't really have a ton of like game-changing abilities, in my opinion, outside of the movement. So with that being in mind, I'm curious if we do see her eventually make a scene in pro play or if she does fall a little bit short of that in the end. So again, similar to Zarian League of Legends, once we do know the full kit breakdown for Neon, we will bring that back to you guys and talk a little bit more about that as well. G -g 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 Game Pass time. John, we had a new announcement for Game Pass. Uh, Ubisoft and Xbox have announced that Rainbow Six Extraction, their new 1v3 or 1-3 player co-op mode, will be coming and launching into Game Pass Day 1. It'll be for console and PC, and that drops on January 20th. Additionally, Ubisoft said, hey, we got more to announce. Uh, Rainbow Six Siege will be added to Game Pass for PC on the same day as well. So if you're a Rainbow Six fan, January 20th is going to be a big day for you on Game Pass. Uh, additionally, it's already on the console, but now moving over to PC. So Rainbow Six Siege and Rainbow Six Extraction, both available there for console and PC come January 20th. And last but not least, Ubisoft also mentioned that Ubisoft Plus will be making its way to Xbox consoles. So if you're looking at that Ubisoft subscription, I believe currently only available on PC. Uh, I know there's some kind of deals going on with the Amazon Luna and Google Stadia as well, but I think that's a slightly varied version. Uh, this will be the full Ubisoft Plus version going to Xbox consoles. So in order to subscribe, I think it's like, I want to say $14.99 a month, and that gets you everything up front, including DLC. So Assassin's Creed Valhalla, you would have had it on launch day and so on and so forth, uh, including their new games and their full vault as well. So it's pricey uh, compared to everything you get with Game Pass. It's definitely something to kind of weigh the scales on. Uh, only Ubisoft titles versus a lot of titles, including all of EA's library and Xbox's library. Um, but it is another subscription service for people to choose from come later this year. Anything else on that, sir? Game Pass is cool. 
Game Pass is cool. Uh, <laughs> just to mention a couple other games coming as well. So we, they do their bi-weekly thing where they announce new titles. January 4th, which was a couple days ago compared to this recording, we had Goragoa, Olija. Oh, gosh, these are tough. Uh, Olija, or Olija. And then the Pedestrian all came to console, PC, and cloud. January 6th, which is today, the day of recording, you have Ember dropping, which is a cool little firefighter game. Uh, the big one, in my opinion, is Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Just launched in May. Guys, if you've never played Mass Effect, I highly recommend checking it out. Probably one of the best RPGs of all time. Uh, it was one of those first RPGs where choices really mattered. So every conversation you have, there's a Paragon aspect to it and then a... Uh, I don't remember the other one. I think it's Renegade, if I remember correctly. Uh, so very like good versus evil. But depending on the decisions you make, not only do they change the way your character interacts with other characters, but it will change the way the story plays out, possibly dramatically in a lot of senses. So it's definitely one to look forward to there. You have Outer Wilds as well, a big award winner. It was on Game Pass before, now returning. Ember, Mass Effect Legendary, and Outer Wilds, in addition to those other three I mentioned earlier, are all available console and PC. And then you do have Spelunky 2 and the Anacrusis wrapping things up on January 13th. Uh, it does look like those are both console and PC as well. Uh, so lots of good games. Uh, very indie heavy for this month. But if you've never played Mass Effect in terms of AAA, definitely one worth picking up. I think that'll do it for Game Pass for this week. We'll bring some more announcements to you guys two weeks from now with when the new catalog is announced. Uh, next up is League of Legends. John, the new season is set to kick off. And just want to briefly let people know there will be a show about it. What to expect from the League of Legends ecosystem. That could include stuff like Arcane. That could include TFT. That could include Legends of Runeterra, Wild Rift, and more. That is going to be Friday. Uh, that's this Friday, which is January 7th for those listening to the podcast. Uh, at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time. They gave a little bit of a teaser, uh, but mainly everything League of Legends. So probably won't be diving too much into Valorant, but all of those other league games, the League Esports ecosystem, things to look forward to in the season ahead, uh, maybe some champion teasers and more. All of that available come Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Live on Very YouTube. Very cool stuff. A uh, couple other upcoming things. Legendary PlayStation IP God of War. The 2018 version is headed to PC on January 14th. So just a little over a week from today, you have the option to dive into God of War. If you've never owned a PlayStation console, it is definitely one to check out. Or rather, a newer PlayStation console, since this was the newer version of God of War. Uh, now headed to PC, along with a plethora of other PlayStation titles to come later this year. Uh, definitely check that one out. We have the LCS and LEC kicking off next week for the League of Legends esports fans. Uh, We've been waiting a while for this. The offseason was long. Free agency was as crazy as ever when it started in November. But now a couple months later, we are getting ready to dive into that new season with all new rosters across the board. Uh, my Fanatic boys had a big overhaul. John's Cloud 9 boys, a bigger overhaul. So lots of changes going on for our two rosters on top of a number of other ones falling under those umbrellas. And then the last upcoming thing before we dive into a little bit of esports nonsense before wrapping up today's show, uh, we have Elder Scrolls Online, the global reveal event. They're revealing something big. Uh, I don't know if it's a new expansion. I don't know if it's something else, but it's going to be January 27th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. A little bit of a teaser, a very short teaser being played for you guys here live on stream. Uh, John, as our resident MMO expert per se, uh, you've definitely spent more times with MMOs than I have. I don't believe either one of us has touched Elder Scrolls Online yet, uh, but it is one that's tempted me quite a few times, I'll be honest. It hasn't tempted me at all. Uh, I'll really? Be completely honest, yeah. 
Um, for for someone who gets heavily invested into games, uh, for whatever reason, Elder Scrolls just never really did it for me, and I, I really don't have an answer why. Uh, you know, World of Warcraft was big, obviously, just because I grew up with Warcraft and World of Warcraft. That that, that story uh, was something that you know I was invested in. Uh, Star Wars: The Old Republic MMORPG. I love Star Wars. That's that's no shock to anyone here. Uh, so the fact that I was able to create my own character in one of the best eras of Star Wars uh, and, and experience it through my avatar was absolutely incredible. I still love that game. Uh, and they have an expansion coming out next month in February pending any further delays. Um, you know, so it, it, it's a game that's still up and running. Final Fantasy Online, that, that that's another one that has kind of uh, piqued my interest. Guild Wars is still going, believe it or not. Guild Wars 2 is still a thing. Uh, that has a decent population as well. Uh, just the MMO market is is saturated, and the problem is is because MMOs require so much time and dedication, it's really hard to play more than just one. Absolutely. I'm realizing I doubled up on a couple of these notes, so I'm just making those changes now. Um, but yeah, it, it's interesting. Elder Scrolls Online is one of the more popular MMOs out there. I believe it's in the top five. I don't exactly know where it falls in there. Uh, World of Warcraft, I believe, is still the biggest one. Final Fantasy up there as well for that top two spot. Then eventually it falls down to stuff like Star Wars The Old Republic, Elder Scrolls Online, and a couple others. Um, but some big MMOs out there, Elder Scrolls Online being one of the biggest ones. So if you're interested in an MMO, definitely one worth checking out. Or if you want to see what kind of new content is coming before you dip your toes into whatever lake is involved in that game, because I don't remember off the top of my head, uh, you can check this reveal event out again January 27th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time. With that, let's head into some esports news. We have a couple roster updates and just a little bit of information to touch on for esports this week, as most esport leagues are currently in the offseason and a couple others just barely kicking off. So, not too much happening in that world, at least at the moment, uh, at least to report on that is. Over in the NHL, though, John, we had a big monumental move. The New York Islanders announced Isles GT, and they have entered the Chell scene with the signing of star-studded six-man Entourage. Uh, Entourage was a team we had the pleasure of casting back with Capitals, uh, Capitals Gaming, rather. It was a very fun squad to watch, very potent, lots of high scoring and some strong defense as well. The Islanders jumping into the Chell scene with one of the best rosters out there, in my opinion. Yeah, so, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes information here for you. Uh, that Sixes tournament that uh, the Washington Capitals put on the, for uh, Caps Gaming uh, was really spearheaded by Jordan Zelniker uh, with MSE. Uh, that, you know, he's a big Chell fan. He's he's a, a diehard esports uh, fan and wants to see the Chell scene continue to grow. Uh, bringing Sixes uh, into uh, a a backed an NHL backed uh, area was groundbreaking. It was absolutely huge. The the sixes scene for Chell, I uh, was super excited for it. Uh, it was held in Capital One Arena in Washington, D.C. In fact, Joey, that was our last live event in person right before the pandemic, which was kind of crazy to think about, that like two weeks after that event was done, the entire world shut down. Uh, it was really, really crazy. But uh, yeah, it was great. We got to see Entourage. Uh, the first time seeing 6v6 hockey uh, in, in an esports capacity like this, and it was really, really exciting. Uh, having someone even play as a goalie made it a, a very unique experience, a high scoring experience in some cases. Uh, but nonetheless, the crazy thing with this was Zontaraj uh, somehow managed to convince Regs to join their roster 
Uh, Regs is is a is an all star. He is one of the top five one v one Chell players in the entire world. Uh, an absolute stud of a player coming into the Sixes uh, scene. Uh, it's a very different style of gameplay. It's not just you versus another person. You're not controlling everyone. You have to constantly communicate. Came in there, they won the entire thing, and now Jordan has moved on from MSE. He's gone to the Islanders, launched Island uh, Isles GT, and made esport and Chell history with the first ever NHL Pro Esport roster. Uh, acquiring uh, Entourage's Sixes roster, and it's huge. It's absolutely massive, and this is the dream. This is the dream for the NHL to have, kind of like what the NBA 2K League has, where it's an uh, NHL-organized and centered esports scene for Chell. This is only the beginning. They will be the first first organization to do this. I fully expect other organizations to follow within the next couple months. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think they're the smart one doing this nice and early. You're picking up a huge squad with tons of experience. I mean, Entourage, you have Regs over there who has won multiple individual competitions as well. You have a really strong goalkeeper there in Shekel. Like, overall, this roster has experience winning tournaments and winning tournaments in big capacities, like that Caps Gaming one we mentioned earlier. So you're bringing lots of veteran experience. You're bringing an organization that's been together for a while overall. So I think this is a really smart, forward-thinking move from the Islanders. On top of that, if you're correct, John, and we see more and more NHL teams pick up rosters, now you already have one of the top ones off the board. And we've seen this in esports before. You look at Valorant, a lot of those early rosters going nice and quick. Uh, You look at Halo with HCS. Cloud9 signed their roster a year ahead of the launch of Infinite. A year ahead of the launch of Infinite, when the Halo 5 scene was already dying down because they knew that Infinite was going to be a big, possibly worthwhile investment. So they made the investment early, and what did it end up doing for them? They won the first event. So these big investments can potentially be huge payoffs later on the line for these organizations. Absolutely. And just a small teaser, we are talking with Jordan about bringing him onto the show, uh, as well as one of the players uh, from this new star-studded roster. We'll have more information for you as we uh, nail down a date for that uh, but hopefully that will be sooner rather than later. So make sure you're following Level Up Live on Twitter. We'll have all that information for you there as soon as we do nail down that interview date. Absolutely. So exciting stuff to look forward to in just the beginning of 2022 for us here at Level Up. I literally just put Twitter in chat. That was a fail. Uh, <laughs> trying to give you guys that Level Up link. Hello, 2022. <laughs> uh, next up, NBA 2K League. We did see a roster move over there as well. Gen G Tigers. They have sent B Smooth to Heat Check Gaming for the sixth overall pick in the 2022 draft. Uh, John, you've done a lot more NBA 2K analysis than I have, so give us the quick lowdown on what this move means for both sides. I love this move. Uh, B Smooth is a great guard. Uh, he is a player that averages close to 21 points per game. Uh, a very, very solid guard. The NBA 2K League is a guards league. Uh, second up would be centers. Uh, Gen G had a 500 season. I believe they were 14 and 14, if my memory serves correctly. Uh, so they finished 500. They, they, they weren't great, but they weren't bad. Sending Beast's move to Heat Check is going to be a massive upgrade for Heat Check. Um, but that also tells me that Gen G sees something in the combine, sees something in this upcoming draft class. Uh, because having the sixth overall pick is a great chance to pick up an absolute stud of a player that can really turn your franchise around. And that's what Gen G wants to do. Uh, Gen G being the first internationally based team in the league, uh, even though their headquarters are currently out of Kentucky, uh, you know, they still have, you know, that kind of that, that kind of uh, 
uh, pull a little bit. Gen G, if you follow other esports, absolutely massive in other esports as well. Uh, I believe they are the owners of even the uh, Soul Dynasty uh, in the Overwatch League. So, uh, you know, they're absolutely massive organization, and now they're in the NBA 2K League. Now you have Dukes, uh, Team Dukes coming in, and they'll actually be based out of Mexico City. We talked about that a little bit on uh, Level Up a couple months ago during that announcement as well. But still, this move tells me that Genji can afford to make this move because they see something in the combine in those stats. And I'll be honest, those stats are absolutely insane because there's hundreds, if not thousands, of people trying to vie to get into the league. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see. Plus, with the change of how the 2K League is going to operate next season, uh, this could be a big, big move for Gen G. But I do also like this move for Heat Check, picking up a very solid guard and beast move. Yeah, and I like the move of the headquarters over to Kentucky as well. I mean, not only with the whole pandemic thing in mind, <laughs> yeah. but also the bourbon available nearby. So Gen G really making some great moves all around, in my opinion. Uh, over to CSGO, we had a couple roster moves this past week as well. Vitality, they have signed former Astralis Trio, Magisks, Dupree, and Zonic. Uh, Astralis, a dominant force in CSGO for quite a while now. And they've seen some shaky periods here and there. Uh, but in the end, if you're Vitality, if you're looking to make big moves and continue to establish yourself in the scene, what better way to do it than a trio of really well-established veterans uh, in these three from Astralis? So I think a very good move from Vitality. A move that probably cost a pretty penny to do so as well. Over to Team Liquid, they have added, added rather legendary French rifler Shocks, another very big veteran player in the scene, as well as young American Opper OC uh, to see what he can bring to the table. To see, oh, see what he can bring to the table. Ha, I should have thought of a pun there. Um, but in the end, some big CSGO moves. Again, the Astralis Trio probably being the biggest one here. Uh, Shocks, another veteran on move. And then there are rumors of some G2 moves as well, possibly a new in-game leader coming to their CSGO roster as well. We'll keep you updated once that one is official. Uh, but for now, a lot of movement happening in CSGO as we've entered into the new 2022 year. Over to Halo in the HCS. They just had their first kickoff major in Raleigh that John and I talked about earlier in the show. But they've also decided to kick the new year off with some crazy roster moves. G2 has cut Arctic. And on top of Arctic being cut, they have also picked up Tusk from Space, from Space Station. Uh, a little bit of a juggling party going on here with some early Halo rosters. Uh, originally, Formal was over on Space Station, signed on a deal from Optic Gaming. But then Sentinels ended up losing a player due to some VPN stuff going on. <laughs> and then Formal moved over to Sentinels, so Tusk came back to Space Station. And now in the end, we have the circus continuing and the carousel riding all the way around as Arctic gets cut. Tusk goes over to G2, and then Space Station has another void to fill. Uh, what do they do? They've signed Flazen over there, uh, a big player on Halo MCC, very talented up-and-coming Halo player. Uh, they've decided to make the move and the risk with him and picked him up to fill that fourth spot. And then we have a new team entering the league. Uh, we saw a lot of new teams enter the scene in December, but another one here in January. This is the Shopify Rebellion. Uh, they've announced their entry into the HCS with a roster full of esports legends. Uh, a lot of these guys, for those who follow Gears of War, will recognize them as many-time Gears of War pros. Uh, they've won so many championships in that scene, now making their way from that third-person view to first-person here for Halo. Explosive, Mental, Solars, and Mal coming over there as well. 
So a lot of talent being moved around in Halo. Uh, we also have organizations that have not picked up rosters yet, like Fnatic, for example. Uh, they were watching how Raleigh unfolded, looking at some of these open bracket teams, uh, as well as waiting for the roster shuffle to begin in 2022. So maybe we eventually see them pick up a roster ahead of Anaheim in February. Uh, maybe they waited out even longer. It's going to be one of those things to keep an eye on, along with other organizations like 100 Thieves that have kind of hinted at the idea of jumping into Halo as well. Can't confirm Joey was one of two people wearing Fnatic gear at HCS <laughs> Raleigh. Uh, the other person was actually the guy scouting for Fnatic, so that was kind of cool. Uh, so, so yeah, only two people rocking Fnatic gear. Joey, I feel like you were fighting an uphill battle there. Yeah, it was an uphill <laughs> battle. Unfortunately, not landing a team. I still think they should have signed Cartel, uh, who was eventually signed by Ascend. But, hey, Fnatic waited it out. We'll see if their strategy ends up translating to victories later down the line. But for now, they put a Bazero at the first event because they didn't feel the team. Uh, over to the Call of Duty League, which is a giant mess. Depending who you talk to, fans, players, and owners, they will all agree. Uh, it is a giant mess right now. But finally, after months of people yelling about it on Twitter and other social media platforms, Activision and Call of Duty has finally issued some kind of answer, at least for now. In the form of a rumor, uh, not even an official statement yet, uh, but it does sound like they are reverting back to 12 teams at major tournaments. Uh, this was a big disagreement at one point because you have all these teams buying in and spending millions of dollars for these franchise spots. And then there were events where not every team could go to. So owners are like, OK, I paid all this money and unfortunately my roster is underperforming and now I get nothing out of it. I'm not getting any brand recognition because I'm not playing on stream and I'm not having the chance at prize pools at all these events because I didn't qualify and so on and so forth. Uh, in the end, changes are happening. They are supposedly reverting back to 12 teams at major tournaments after this outcry. Now, again, I think Call of Duty has a lot of other things to look at why their esports scene is not succeeding why owners are unhappy. Uh, same with Overwatch League as well. I feel like there's a number of things for just Activision esports to look at in general. Um, but this is at least a move forward. It's going to make owners a little bit happier than they have been over the past couple months. Uh, but similar to what we said with Riot and similar to what we said with Activision earlier in the show, things like this are just the beginning of changes that need to happen. There are still a number of other changes that need to fall into place after this as well. Anything else to say about the CDL, Overwatch League, League of Legends, or any other esports scene out there, good sir? CDL hot mess confirmed. CDL hot mess confirmed. <laughs> uh, $25 million or so to buy into that hot mess if you guys are interested. Uh, but we, for now, are going to hold out, wait for OTN coin to make its way to the moon, and then we'll see what happens from there. Okay, last but not least, we're going to look ahead to 2022. Not going to spend a ton of time on this because we are at the 115 mark, and we don't want to hold you guys over 90 minutes. So just to touch on a couple things, John, we have a lot of games coming out this year. Uh, it has the potential to be a giant year for games. Uh, just kicking things off in January, God of War 2018 coming to PC, the first God of War game on PC. You have Nintendo trying new ways with Pokemon, with Pokemon Legends Arceus coming out completely new style of playing Pokemon. Uh, you have the Uncharted Collection coming out later this year. You have Sifu, which is a cool-looking fighting game coming out in February. Horizon Forbidden West in February. Uh, you have the zombie parkour game that I'm losing the name of off the top of my head, but number two of that game coming out in February. Uh, over to March, you have Tunic, that really cool indie game we talked about earlier in the show. You have Gran Turismo 7 rumored to come out as well. You have Redfall from the studio that made Prey coming out from Arcane uh, later in the summer. You have Starfield coming out later this year. Todd Howard and Bethesda's first big new IP for it feels like over a decade or so. 
there are so many big games coming out this year, and there's also the rumor of the Breath of Wild sequel hitting in 2022 or 2023 as well. So stuff like God of War, Horizon, Starfield. I mean, there's just endless titles. Of all these titles, John, what are you looking forward to the most? Are there certain games that stick out to you for 2022? Yeah, the big one is Starfield. Uh, that one has a lot of people excited for for very good reasons. Um, I'm hoping to see a gameplay trailer. I'm hoping to see... Uh, more information on that sooner rather than later. They, I think they've done a great job uh, slowly putting content out every other month, uh, keeping people engaged. Uh, I thought their sizzle reel that they put out uh, using the in-game engine was was fantastic. Uh, I, I'm super excited for that one. I feel like that one has a chance to, to really uh, be your game of the year, depending upon how that comes out, just based upon the little that we've already seen. Uh, Joey, the, the big one that you did not mention that was supposed to come out last year that was delayed to 2022 was Hogwarts Legacy. If it is even still a thing, because everyone has been so hush-hush about it. Uh, But that's that open-world RPG for Harry Potter. Uh, That had a lot of people excited. A lot of Potterheads out there were were super excited for that game. Obviously, hit that delay bug like everything else did. Uh, But the problem is, is we haven't really heard too much about it. And I'll be honest, even their official Discord... It's a little quiet, uh, so not even sure what's going on with that game. But if that game is even still in development, that'd be a big one too. Uh, it is still in development. Uh, <laughs> it is not doing well. No. Uh, there is a lot of issues around the development of that game, and uh, <laughs> it's a very messy development per se. Not quite cyberpunk messy because that is a bigger scale than this one is going to be. Um, but it's undergone a lot of changes in development, and I don't know what they originally shown is what we're going to get. Uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think it could come out this year. I could see it easily being bumped to 2023. Uh, the Batman game, a little bit more of a stable situation over there. Uh, they just take their time with that game. So it's just going to, I think it'll make it out in 2022. But I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that one makes it out in 2022. Hogwarts, I'm not as confident on. I think fall Absolutely. 2022, but could easily get bumped to 2023 uh, for another six months or so of development for that one. Uh, But yeah, lots of big games. If I had to pick some from the first party, uh, I think Xbox Starfield is the easy pick over there. I think for PlayStation, I I like Horizon, but it never stuck me in as much as I wanted it to. God of War, rather, I think is that big game. Uh, God of War seems like it wins game of the year every time it comes out, so another big shot there. Uh, You look at Todd Howard's games from Bethesda, they almost always win game of the year, so Starfield with Xbox. And then Nintendo, Zelda does very well in game of the year as well. Uh, Breath of the Wild doing extremely well in winning the year it came out. Now another potential shot there with the sequel, unless it gets bumped to 2023. So you could have potentially three franchises or three development studios that constantly put out Game of the Year titles all coming out here in 2022. So from any of the console makers that are first party, I think there's really good stuff coming out. Uh, You mentioned Hogwarts as a potential. I think that's a big (laughs) one. The Gotham Knights game, I think, is another big one potentially coming out this year. Uh, Some really good indie games like Tunic mixed in there as well. So a lot of good things to look forward to. Uh, some big Assassin's Creed DLC coming out in March. Uh, yeah, I mean, just it, it is the golden age of gaming, or rather another golden age of gaming. I still like the N64 era, uh, as well as the PS2, Xbox 360 timeline. Uh, but we are entering into a new one with really, really big games and some really awesome hardware out there as well. And don't forget for Tots and Clue out there in the OTN community, Arc 2 in 2022 as well. Arc 2 in 2022, yeah, I'm curious if that one gets bumped. I don't know too much about the development, but it feels like Arc 1 has like started to bump up all their production. Like They're putting out tons of content recently, it feels like. Yeah. Uh, so I'm curious if that means Arc 2 gets delayed or if that means they're just going to roll right into the new game. 
Uh, as far as most excited for, so we touched on games. Are there any esports events, rosters, or anything like that that you're also excited for? Uh, hopefully, the return and stay of LAN events. Um, yeah. HCS Raleigh uh, kind of cured that like 16 month itch of not being able to go to esport events in person, uh, and that's worldwide. Um, you know, Joe, I, I consider ourselves incredibly lucky uh, to be in the position to have gone to Raleigh. Um, you know, it just so happened to work out that at that time, like Omicron wasn't a big thing, uh, you know, as as much as it is now. And we were still able to, to go. The event was still able to be successful. People were following the rules and protocol. Uh, so I think, you know, that's something big to look forward to. Uh, you know, one of the big things on our radar, LCS in New York City uh, or was that Worlds in New York City? That's Worlds. Worlds, I think the yeah. semifinals. Yeah. yeah, Worlds in New York City. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed we're in a stable situ- a, a situation where we can make that trip uh, to, to New York to cover that event. Uh, that would be absolutely phenomenal to experience that um, you know, without having to fly out to Los Angeles yeah. uh, or, or anywhere else, really. Uh, you know, so, yeah, I think the return of, of lands, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, um, is is what I'm really excited for. Uh, having that live crowd back, that live reaction, uh, is something that esports uh, desperately needs to kind of rejuvenate and re-energize that base. Panicking Pat in chat just makes me shake my head over. He was there. sleeping. He was sleeping on the floor of the convention center. He has no one to blame but himself. I partied a little bit too hard over <laughs> there, little, Panicking little Pat. Uh, some bold predictions for gaming and esports heading into 2022. Uh, John, give me some bold predictions, whether it be from Xbox, PlayStation, PC, Nintendo, whether it just be gaming in general, console sales, game sales, uh, Forza getting snubbed again for game of the year. Uh, give me a hot take for gaming in 2022. A uh, hot take for gaming in 2022. Overwatch 2 will not come out. Okay. Uh, that, that, that is and and I, I, I say that in, in twofold because um, I, I always love to point out the hot takes that the Overwatch League desk does the the the, the Pringle hot take is what they call it because uh, it's sponsored by Pringles um, is always a hot take that's not really a hot take um, I, I my hot take is Overwatch two won't come out anytime soon the build that if the Overwatch League does go with the build this is kind of like both categories here Joey I apologize um, if the league does go forward with a uh, beta light build of Overwatch two. Uh, I feel like the impact that it will have on its fans uh, will be more detrimental than they actually think. Um, because who who likes watching pros play a game you can't play? Um, I, I, I think Overwatch 2 will do more damage than good for the Overwatch League. Okay, let's stick with that esports thought for a second. <laughs> so in terms of bold predictions, so Overwatch League has come out and said they plan to do this beta build of Overwatch 2. They still plan to kick the season off in the spring. Uh, so let's just say spring is March to mid, let's say mid-March to mid-May. Do you think Overwatch League for this upcoming season actually starts, let's say, before the end of April? Oh, that's um, a hard one, isn't it? <laughs> it is because I want it to. I, I really want it to start on time. Um, I feel like the Overwatch League in its inception and moving to home-based homestands 
throughout the country was the right call. And I think it was something that the esports scene desperately needed versus having everything either be in Los Angeles or in New York or in Berlin, it feels like. Those three cities always had everything. Um, Overwatch was going in the right direction. Um, I feel like with everything that has happened, I will go ahead. Again, I want it to start on time. I don't think it will. I, I don't think it will start on time. And I feel like that's not just an Overwatch problem either. I feel like a lot of leagues will not start on time this year. I like it. I like it. Uh, I, I tend to lean that way as well. I think it's going to be pushed closer to May, maybe even... I, I, I'll say May. I think it'll be in May. I don't think it makes it out in April. Uh, some hot takes for me on the gaming side. I'm going to say, and this is going to sound crazy... Uh, gaming has had record revenue, it feels like, year over year during COVID, and people are thinking it's going to go down. We saw it decrease a little bit in 2021. I think we're going to hit records across the board in revenue for gaming in 2022. I mean, all these big games coming out, COVID surging once again. Uh, I think record revenue for gaming here in 2022. Uh, I just, I think it's going to do extremely well. Game Pass. So our latest numbers on Game Pass was 18 million subs. I'm going to go ahead and say we hear the next one at 35 million plus subs. Uh, I think they're going to hit that number in 2022, whether it be in January, whether it be a little bit later. I think eventually we hear Xbox come out and say that they have 35 million Game Pass subs. Uh, In terms of esports, I'm going to take a little bit of a different take here. Uh, Jumping into the new scene, which is Halo and HCS kind of making its reemergence, I'm going to say that there is going to be at least three different champions throughout the year. Uh, I think three is a good number because Cloud9 and Optic both look extremely dominant. Sentinel's looking very good as well, but I also think you're going to have some newcomer blood. Uh, So I think you have at least three different champions at majors, and there's only a couple majors. I think there's like four or five majors. Uh, Of those five or so majors, I think we do see at least three different champions. So I think that's going to be a really fun scene to keep an eye on here in 2022. Cloud9 will always be number one. They did win the first one, so we'll see if they can bring it here in Anaheim as well. Uh, With that, John, I think we'll come to the end of the show. I wanted to do some resolutions, but we are flirting with that final time mark, so I think we will wrap it up here and maybe keep some of those for next week. Uh, Again, thank you guys for joining us for our first show of 2022. A little bit of latest news, I guess, for January, um, but a lot of looking back at 2021, some of those great memories, talking about HCS, as well as doing some previewing of 2022 here as well. All right, Nation, that will do it for the first episode of Level Up Live here in 2022. Thank you all for joining us again. But before you go, head on over to patreon.com slash OTN. Consider becoming a part of the Overtime Network. In return, you'll get access to exclusive content that nobody else in the world can get unless they are a part of the OTN fam. If you haven't already, make sure you follow the show on Twitch to catch the next episode of Level Up Live. If you listen to the show on our podcast feed, please do leave us a review. Level Up Podcast is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast RSS feed. Just look up the Level Up Podcast, and we are there. We would love to hear from our entire audience, our entire community, and there's multiple ways you can reach out to us with that feedback. Joey, what are some of those ways? Absolutely, guys. Head on over to Twitter. That is the best place to start. Twitter at Level Up Live, LVLUP Live. In addition to that, you can follow the Umbrella Network OTN Media on Twitter and Facebook at OTN Media and on Instagram at OTN underscore media. Last but not least, hit us up with a follow, maybe even one of those nice Twitch Prime subs over here on Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash OTN Media. This show level up Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern time on a weekly basis. Come on and stop by. 
All right, make sure you tune in next Thursday. That is the 13th of January. As we cover the latest and greatest in gaming and esports news, do your ears and eyes, eyes, eyes a favor. There we go, English there. And hit that sub and follow button to know when the next episode of Level Up Live is ready for your entertainment pleasures. We'll catch you all next week. Enjoy your weekend. And remember to be nice to your fellow gamers online. And as always, Level, level up. up.